amazing things happening around this place. We're hoping you're getting connected, that you're growing in the Lord, that uh, this is really truly a place of refuge for you if you're going through a storm in life. Uh, Don't miss the opportunity to pray with somebody after service. If you need prayer in your life, it's a wonderful thing to be able to come to somebody, share, uh, have a brother or a sister in the Lord, pray and encourage you. Uh, We want to make sure you don't miss out on a couple key things. One of those is that there is a baptism coming up. Uh, I believe it's next week. Shoot, I closed that. Uh, Let me make sure. It is next week for sure. If you are thinking about being baptized, you are a person who has been walking with the Lord for quite some time, and it's time for you to be baptized and follow in Jesus' footsteps, then uh, we hope that you'll join us. Uh, You'll sign up, actually, and let us know on the connection card or online. And also, we have a next step class, next steps, had to add the, uh, the plural in there, Next Steps class coming up, that's all things uh, uh, Four Corners. It'll allow you to get a taste of the church and what the church is all about. I'll let you spend a little time with uh, Lindsay and Joel, which is always a fun thing as well. And that's your on-ramp. If you wanted to get to know more about Four Corners, that's coming up in May. So I'm ready for the word of the Lord here. And I know the Lord has given something to Joel. So here you go. Thank you, Fritz. Um... You guys ready this morning? Thank you, worship team. Um, uh, we, you, we begin in worship um, for several reasons. One of those is um, that is our uh, most basic, uh, natural, native posture um, is, is in worship to God. That's what, you were, that's what you and I were born to do. And so when we gather together, we begin in worship because we want to remind ourselves and each other that's what we were born to do. And then once you, once you begin to do that, once you begin to praise, once you begin to declare who God is who, to him, but also over yourself and those that are in the room, all of a sudden pers- perspective starts to hit. Perspective, man, that's got to be the most valuable commodity in culture today. Perspective, get, getting perspective. And so that's why um, we begin in worship. Um, and uh, thank you guys for leading us into worship this morning. We're in our final week of our Easter series responses to the resurrection. There are all kinds of responses to the resurrection. Uh, some people were, um, some people didn't, they didn't believe at first. They didn't even know. Some people ran and hid because they were afraid. Others just, uh, others just up and left town. They just got out of there. They just thought, I don't, I don't even, I, we don't know what to do. We're just going to go back home. And they left town. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning, resurrection responses. Luke chapter 24, I have to warn you, this is a long passage of scripture. But it's so good. All right. So Luke 24, this is a passage of scripture uh, response to Jesus's resurrection. And there's a a lot of stuff that's in here, a lot of directions we could go this morning. uh, But we're going to go in a a specific direction. I'm going to give you guys in just a minute when we finish reading Luke 24. The scripture is on the screen. If you don't have a paper Bible with you, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, everybody say same day. So this is Resurrection Day. Now, you guys thought Easter Sunday was like two weeks ago, but man, it is Easter season, all right? We are celebrating. So this is the same day of resurrection. Two of them, two of uh, uh, followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were, walk- they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these days? And so Jesus says, what things? Kind of poking a little bit. What are you talking about? Verse 19, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body, and they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now remember, they still don't know who it is. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those that with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord is risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. And everybody said, thanks be to God. So think, think about this saying. Maybe you've heard this saying before. Finish this saying in your head, okay? So don't, don't, don't say it out loud. All right, but finish this saying. You've heard it. Life is a, all right, what is it? Life, in your head, because I don't know what you guys are about to say. All right, pretty sure I heard bowl of, bowl of cherries. Maybe you said, uh, life's a highway. Anybody say, life's a highway in your head? You're welcome with that song. I just blessed you with that song. The rest of the day, it's in your head. Life is, uh, life's a journey, not a destination. You guys heard that? Uh, the, there was a wise sage that once said, uh, life's a garden. Dig it. Um, life is what you make it. Life ain't easy. Life is fill in the blank, all kinds of stuff. All these are basically saying basically the same thing, that life's a, life's a journey. Christians even have their own kind of life's a journey saying and, and, and thoughts and, and stuff. Anybody ever, uh, you ever read, maybe you have this up in your house, or maybe a, a parent or a grandparent of yours has a, is up in their house. How do you guys have the, the there's a famous footprints poem? Uh, Footprints poem is basically, it's a story of the guy's walking with Jesus on the beach, and um, he's talking with Jesus, and then he's having a conversation, and he says, Jesus, I have a question. He said, why is it that when we're, when we're on the beach going through life's journeys, uh, there's two sets of footprints, but then when I look at the most toughest parts of my life, there's only one set of footprints, and then Jesus says, it was then that I carried you. Anybody ever, you, you heard that one? Anybody heard that before? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, yeah, man, I remember that Bible story. It's not a Bible story. <clears throat> it's Hallmark. But um, it, all of these are, are kind of, they're, they're saying it's the same thing. Life's a, life's a journey. Luke, Luke puts his story, this gospel story that we just read, as a sort of, in sort of a life's a journey, like meta-narrative. All right, it's, it's, this, it's this huge story that, that, that Jesus is on the journey with us. And so he gives us this picture of, of the humanity's life story coming full circle where the disciples are eating and what was given to them by Jesus. And then all of a sudden their, their eyes are open and they, and they can see the truth. That was kind of how it, how it ended. And so remember at the beginning, the very beginning, like all the way to the beginning, like Genesis beginning, we've got Adam and Eve... And they are in the garden, and then remember, they kind of ruined it for all of us by eating the fruit. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, The woman saw the tree was beautiful with delicious food, that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then they both saw clearly and knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. It hits them. It hits them. They're, they're, all of a sudden they eat, this, they eat this food and then enlightenment, revelation hits them. We're broken. We're ashamed. We're full of shame. Same thing happens with the disciples, these two disciples that are with Jesus. They're sitting there and it's the same except it's kind of the reverse. Jesus takes this bread and he blesses, breaks it, gives it, and then it, all of a sudden it hits them we were just walking away from Jerusalem. We were walking away from the faith when Jesus showed up. We were, we were on our way out. The town of Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's what it said in the text. 
the disciple is, uh, his name is Cleopas. And so he's not one of the 12. He's just one of the, one of the followers. So Jesus had kind of like a, like a core 12. And then there was uh, another uh, 72. And then there was a bunch of others that followed also. And so Cleopas is here. Um, a church history would say that who he's walking with is likely his wife. So it's probably a husband and wife that are leaving. And, uh, and, and, and so Luke's writing wants us to get in on the story. But the, but the big deal is this. They had just heard the biggest news in all of world history. There is no bigger news than the resurrection. You're here on Sunday morning. It's two weeks after Easter. And I'm just telling you, two weeks we celebrated it. Last week we celebrated it. This week we'll celebrate We will celebrate Easter, the resurrection, every Sunday, every day that we ever gather until we all are gone. This is the deal. The biggest news in world history. They just heard, they just heard the story. Hey, you're not going to believe it. Jesus rose from the dead. And what do they do? They leave town. They leave. Imagine the discouragement. Scripture even says that they're sad. It even says they're discouraged. And yet here's Jesus, and he strolls up to walk with them while they're leaving the town. Here, here's, here's the picture. What sort, of God, what sort of God walks with people while they're walking away? What sort of God walks with people while they're walking away? So I want to I talk this morning just a little bit about where is God when we're walking away? Where's God when we're walking away? So where's God when we're walking away? Because, because everybody walks away. Every, everybody walks away. Even those that follow Jesus now, we, we may not be walking away from our faith totally today, but, but there are moments, there are moments where we're leaning in on our faith and we're headed toward, and there are moments where we're leading, leaning away and we're heading away from Jesus. They happen all the time, every day. There are moments when this happens where we, where, where we choose to lean into what we want rather than what God wants, where we choose our desires over God's best, where we follow our own heart rather than God's heart. There are a hundred tiny decisions every day where we aren't moving toward Jesus, we're moving away. It covers covers everybody. So whether it's a, it's a Tuesday afternoon and we just aren't feeling very Christian today. Anybody ever have one of them Tuesday afternoons? Maybe you're like, yeah, it was Tuesday afternoon of this past week. We just aren't feeling it. Or, or maybe it's a crisis of faith. And we, just, we just aren't sure what we believe anymore. Either one. Where is it? The question is the same. Where is God when we are walking away? Where is he? And so a few points this morning. If you're taking notes, there are uh, three points where um, they're just, where's God when we're walking away? God moves. God moves while we're on the journey. God moves while we're on our journey. Cleopas and his wife headed out of town. What a picture, man. What a picture. And so what are, what are the moves that God makes while you're headed out of town? The first one is this. He joins. He joins. He joins. God's posture is always toward. He moves toward Adam and Eve in the garden. They do one thing. You're given all of the garden, all of paradise, all of paradise, except you can't do one thing. What do we do? You get, you get a bunch of little kids in the room. And you go, here's the deal. You guys can do anything you want. You can play with any toy that you want. But this little toy right in the middle of the table, don't touch it. Where do the kids go? Where do you go? Yeah, we're all the same. Don't act all high and mighty in here. We are all the same, all right? And so God, God uh, so Adam and Eve, they, they sin and they leave. And what does God do? God comes down to intervene. What does he do? He sends, um, moves towards Israel when they refuse to listen. What does he do? He sends the prophets over and over again. He sends the prophets. Everybody hears. They're like, listen, you, Israel, you're not doing what's right. You need to make things right. You're not obeying God. You're not following God. Make things right. And they go, okay, we're going to make things right. And so they repent and they turn towards God. And then a little bit of time goes by and they just kind of slide and they just kind of walk away again. And then God sends another prophet. And the prophet comes in and he says, hey, listen, you're not following God. You're not doing what he said to do. This is not going to be good for you. It's going to end bad. It starts to end poorly for them. So they repent and they turn back around and they follow 
follow God, and he begins to bless them again. And then they kind of slide away again. And so God sends another prophet. You guys catching the pattern? This is what God does. So he moves toward when he sends the prophets. He moves toward as a father in the story of the prodigal son. What is God's posture? It's always toward. He's always moving toward those that are walking away. This is a God that walks with people who are walking away. We're in a time in, in the West, not necessarily globally, but in the U.S., of a, of a great walking away from faith. And um, a lot of it's because uh, people are confused. There's a ton of reasons why people leave the faith. It, it, there's, 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 a, there's a ton. Uh, it can come from uh, church wounds, uh, church abuse, uh, spiritual abuse. Uh, it can come from just simply just bad teaching. And they're just going, I'm, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't the God that I've, I, I don't, I'm just confused. It can come from um, uh, people that aren't walking out their faith, they aren't living out their faith. So hypocrites. And um, so people look and they go, oh, no, the church is just full. I, I can't do this. They're, they're a bunch of hypocrites. They're all, they're all sinners. And on one hand, I want to go, yes. <laughs> yes, we are. That's why we're in here. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons people leave. Sometimes it's their own expectations in life that weren't met. Luke 24, this is, where, this is where these two are. Verse 21, what do they say? They say, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, it's the third day since this took place. And so they're suffering. They had huge hopes. But Jesus didn't meet them in the way that they had thought. They were confused. What kind of Messiah is this? And so many people today ask the same question. We had hoped... But clearly, this isn't it either. And so if that's you, if that's you and you find yourself walking away, I just want you to know that if, if you'll let him, if you'll invite him, God will join you on that journey. In fact, he probably already has. You may just not recognize it yet. A lot of people, um, there's all kinds of words for when you're just trying to figure out faith. There's a, uh, a lot of people use the word uh, deconstruction. I think deconstruction sometimes gets a, 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 a bad rap. Um, truth is, is the disciples' faith had to be deconstructed in order to receive salvation. They had followed Jesus for three years. Three years. You would think if you had followed, I know you would think this because I think this too. If you had followed Jesus for three years and then he dies on the cross and then is resurrected, you would be like, no, man, I knew this was happening. I was listening for three years. I was paying attention. All of them were paying attention, but nobody got it. Nobody, nobody grasped it. You didn't think that they had it all together. Here they are, and their faith is in shambles. They're walking away, and instead of saying, oh, so you're going to walk away now? You're just going to walk away now, guys? And instead of saying this, Jesus instead says, okay, let me go find them. Let me go find them. So what does God do? He joins on the journey. He joins on the journey. But he also tells it like it is. He loves to give some truth. Verse 24, he says, in some of... The, the disciples are talking, and they go, and then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. So here they're telling Jesus their story, and they don't, they don't really recognize that it's Jesus. And he says to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then his disciples said to Jesus, we thought, we thought he was the one. And Jesus responds basically by saying, come on, man. What's, what's wrong with you? Come on, man. You guys ever seen those, um, the come on man on uh, ESPN? They're, they're showing the clips of uh, plays or coaches or whatever. It's just this, it's just a big, dumb thing that happened, and it's just the come on man segment. Anybody, y'all, anybody seen that? Am I the only one? Okay, it's just me. I'm going to stand up here and talk about what I've seen. This is Jesus' way. It sounds, it sounds harsh, but it's Jesus' way of saying, come on, man. It's just... You, you went to the tomb, there's nothing there. There's nobody there. Everybody's told you he's risen. You probably remember a few times that I've said it. During the week before I died, I've said it like a hundred times. This is going to happen. And you still, why are you so slow of heart? Come on, man. What's wrong? It's the Bible's way of basically saying, you big dummy. Listen. And so God is, he's always walking toward, but for some of you that have been walking with him for a while... And you found that God is always agreeing with you. You're like, man, I just, I, just feel like, I just feel like God's always agreeing with me. Like I can't, I know I'm sure I'm wrong sometime, 
but I just can't think of any of the times that I'm, that I'm wrong. I got, I got news for you. He doesn't always agree with you. God has no problem calling you and me out. He doesn't. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I just think that if it happened today, my concern is that Cleopas and his wife might have gotten, uh, might have gotten offended and, and just asked Jesus to go on and go take a walk with somebody else. And sometimes God's got to call you out. Sometimes God's got to call you out, and you got to listen. you got to stay in it. you got to let him. So where's, where's God? Where's God when you're walking away? First one is God joins. He enjoins. The second one is he invites. Verse 18. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these days? Jesus says, What things? If anybody knows what happened to Jesus over the past three days, it would be Jesus. So what is, what is he doing? What is he doing? Jesus says, talk to me. Tell me what you know. Tell me more. In other words, tell me your doubts. Tell me about your doubts. Tell me what, tell me what the concern is. There's research, Barna Research said that there is about 75% of of uh, Christians graduating from high school. So uh, teens that are following Jesus, they graduate uh, from high school, at some point walk away from their faith. I'm just let that sit with you for a minute. 75%. The number one reason, um, there's a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is that they said that they just had never found a place to be able to process their doubts and to talk through what's going on. Jesus walks over to to, these, to this couple, and he invites them to talk to him. And don't forget, they were walking away. They were leaving. They were leaving town. And so if you walk with Jesus for any length of time whatsoever, you eventually are going to have to come to grips with, that in, with, with, with what's inherent in the walk of faith. Inherent in that word, and the walk of faith is also oftentimes a walk of doubts. Walk of doubts. It doesn't, doesn't mean you don't know what you believe. It just means that it requires faith. It doesn't mean you don't know. It just means faith. Faith is it's what, I'm, it's, it's, it's what I'm hoping for. It's what I'm, I'm sure of what I believe, but I don't see it. It's not there. And oftentimes, circumstances around would say, would make me say, would make me question, man, is this, that, that, and so what is God's move? What is his posture? Three, three God moves. What are these God moves? What does he do about it? Does he look down with a scowl on your walk of faith and be like, oh my God, you, you just, you should have more faith in this. Sometimes he looks at the disciples and he literally says that. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. But if we're not careful, we'll think that he's looking down with this scowl and instead it's not because his posture is what? He's still there. He says, okay, then man, tell me what things. What are those things? What are those things? If you're not careful, you'll think, well, man, I can't say them out loud. I can't say what those are. I can't say what's going on in my mind. I can't tell the Lord. I can't say what's going on. It doesn't mean you don't know what you believe. It just means it requires faith. That's why I want our church to become the, the never alone church. I, I, wanted, I want our church to be the never alone church. We, we've been, what are we, about three years old, three and a half years old. We are cruising. We have gone through some stuff. We have gone through. Some of you guys have been with us for um, a few months. Some of you guys have been, there's a few that have been with us for about three years. And man, we've gone through some stuff. And there are things that God has cultivated in this church, but we're, uh, we're a toddler church now, all right? We're a little toddler church, so we are learning some things. We're learning. One of, the, one of the traits, the characteristics of this family that I want is I want it to be a never alone church. I, 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 I think about some of your, think about some of your, uh, cr the crummiest moments back in like middle school, all right? How many of you, for you, it was, it was probably, more than likely, it was probably when you were alone. And maybe it was, uh, you know, you're going in the first day of school. You don't know where to sit at lunch. Some of y'all are sweating right now. I just said, where do you sit at lunch, first day of school? And you're like, don't do it, Joel. Don't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because what do you do? The question is, who, who am I going to sit with? Is there anybody to sit with? Is it just me? There's a couple of you that don't care. You're like, I'll go find whoever. I'm going to find whatever table I want. I'm going to find them. I'm going to plot my tail right there. I'm just going to be with everybody. And the rest of us are like, no, nah, man. You just want to curl up in a corner and nobody look at me. So I want our church, I want our church to be the never alone church. Nobody ever, nobody sits alone. Nobody eats alone. Nobody serves alone. But especially nobody doubts alone. I don't want anybody to doubt alone. I don't want anybody to, and here's why, because the inherent in that walk of faith is also the moments where we have the doubts. And if you're stuck alone, most often we're going to head out of town. We're going to head in the other direction. We're going to go in the other way. And in that moment where you find yourself, every question, all the things that are, that are running through your mind, here's what I would say. Don't walk down that road by yourself. Never doubt alone. Bring somebody with you. Everybody needs Everybody needs that somebody, that encouragement to come alongside you. But don't, don't pick somebody that has all the same doubts that you do in that moment. Don't pick somebody who has less faith than you do to encourage you. That's, that's a, it's a bad mistake. It's kind of like, like when you're really angry. Anybody ever get just for, like, you're like angry, like angry moments, just me. All right, I'm going to hold my hand up. So sometimes I get really angry. It's like going, and then you get in the car, and then you go, oh, I'm so mad. And you find the angriest music you've ever heard, and you crank it up. It's like, yes! It just feeds it. You ever turn that on? You just crank up the metal, man. Turn the, yeah. Or you're so sad, and you're like, what do you do? You go hunt for the saddest music you can find. Why? So you could just, just sad yourself to death, all right? Here's, here's what I would say. Find somebody that's going to meet you where you are, but they're not going to meet you where you are and then go, yeah, that's terrible. And then on top of that, have you thought about this? And you're like, Man, find somebody who goes, yeah, man, I've been, I've, I've, man, I've been through some stuff similar to that. And I can, I can, imagine, I can imagine where you are. I can imagine where you are, man. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right here with you. And maybe they give, maybe, maybe they say, maybe that's all they say. Man, just tell me. Tell me more. Maybe they say a little bit of encouragement. Then they say, man, I'm with you. I'm here. Have you thought about this before, though? Do you remember that time God did this? Do you remember that time God did that? What do you do? You find somebody else. Don't take somebody that has less faith than you to try to encourage you when you're in seasons of faithlessness. It does, it's not going to work. Don't crank that music up. Change that station. <laughs> All right. Not only does God invite you to share your doubts, but he wants to be invited too. Where's God? God, God? God invites. He joins. He invites. But he also wants to be invited. Luke 24 verse 28 says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going to go further. Like he was going to keep going. Remember, they don't even know it's Jesus. And he pretends like he's going to keep going. What if they were like, all right, see you, man. It's good talk on the road. Does Jesus just keep going? Maybe, I don't know. There's another, there, he, this isn't his first time. Jesus was doing this one time. The disciples were on the boat and there was a storm. And so uh, there's this big storm. They're all freaking out. They all think that they're going to die. And then Jesus comes walking on the water. He's walking, during the storm, he's walking on the water. And, and so, look, I mean, I, we're already here. Like, we already believe in the resurrection, and he just disappeared earlier, so we might as well believe that he can walk on water too. So here we are. Jesus is walking on water, all right? And he looks across, and Scripture says, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't put it in here. I forgot to put it in here. Uh, as if he was going to walk by, and the disciples see him, and Jesus was just going to walk by. I don't know if he's trying to race the disciples. I don't know if it's like if he's looking and he's, I don't know. My guess is, is he wants them to see him and call him over and invite him. I don't know if they had not invited if he would have stopped. I don't know. We're not told that in the text. All I know is this. There's something about Jesus, God in human flesh, who still wants to be invited. He wants to be asked. And so Jesus is just going to keep on going. He's walking with the disciples. These two disciples, Cleopas and his wife, and they trail off. They're going to go get something to eat over here, and he's just going to act like he's going to keep on walking, but it's kind of like, are you going to, 
Are you going to ask me? God's, God's humble. Rarely forces the subject. He values our freedom so much, he's never going to force you. He's never going to force you. But he sure does put himself in a position for an invitation. So I, um, one of my best childhood friends, um, I met when I was about 11 years old in my neighborhood. And a new kid moved in about four houses down. And um, I could see down the street, because the, the street turned, that, um, uh, he, that he was a kid maybe about my age or whatever. And uh, he would come outside and he would shoot basketball. And so I wanted, uh, I was uh, bored every day and I was always alone. And so, because uh, my brothers wouldn't hang out with me. So, um, uh, so I was like, man, I need, I need a new friend. And, and so I'm the guy that's going to go, and I'm going to go, I, I, I'm going to step out, but I can only take so many steps. So I got my dog, uh, his name was Toad, he was a solid white English bulldog, and me and Toad went on a walk. Now he couldn't go far, but I just needed to go four houses. So we walked down the street, and we stopped, and uh, I acted like there was something going on in the, in, by the mailbox. But there was nothing going on. So I stopped, and kind of bent down, and I, and I tied my shoe, and I knew he was home, they just got home. All right, they had pulled in. It's like Saturday morning. So I kind of like tied my shoe, and then I looked around, and I like picked up a rock and kind of threw it across the street. And it's just 11, this dumb old 11-year-old boy just standing in the front by the mailbox with his dog. I ain't going anywhere. But I'm afraid to go up to the door and knock on the door and say, hey, is there anybody here that wants to play with me? <laughs> so, so I just stand there. About five minutes goes by. Just kind of, it was hanging out. And so finally, this kid walks out. He walks up to me. He's about two or three inches taller than me. He's got huge, huge Coke bottle glasses. I mean, they're, I'm talking, they are thick like this. And, I, and he said, hey, I said, hey. He said, my name's Bubba. <laughs> I said, my name's Joel. And he goes, you want to shoot basketball? And that was the day I met my best good friend, Bubba Gregg. He was in my wedding about 20 years ago. We were, we were friends. We're still friends. In fact, he came by the other day and came into this church to look at everything and be like, man, this is so incredible. Did you ever, could you ever, could you ever imagine that day you stood in front of my house with that dumb old dog and just waited on me to come out? I later found out his mom came in his room and said, said, hey, uh, there's a boy standing out in the front yard. He's just kind of standing there. I think he's looking for a friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I look, I, <laughs> for what it's worth, I, I picture Jesus in this passage of Scripture just kind of like, kind of waiting, waiting for the invitation. Waiting for the, will you, will you, will you just, will you just come on? You just come on over with us. What is the, what is the invitation for Jesus to join you look like? Sounds like this. God, this is, here's my plan. I got some plans. Here's my plans. But I'm ready to hear yours. If you got different plans, let me hear your plans. Or maybe it's God, I'm, 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 I'm dying in this relationship I'm in. Will you, will you join me? Not just fix it, not just, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, just join me. Give, me. give me your wisdom. God, I'm dying at my job. Or God, I need a job. Will you join me? Will you be with me? What are you, what are you doing in me right now at this place? God, I'm, I'm, God, I'm tired of changing these diapers. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm tired, I remember... Me and Lindsay, we had three kids uh, under four. In fact, for two days, I had a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and an infant. And then my oldest turned four. I remember that we had two kids with diapers, and we was running around, and I, we, had, we were both working and school and, uh, and three and just diapers and just, we called it the fog of war is what we call it. And we look back, and we're like, I don't, it's just craziness. It was just, and I, and I, um, we should, I mean, we didn't, we didn't know up from down. I'd hear people. I was, on, I was a pastor. 
at the time, and we'd hear people talk about having devotions with Jesus, spending quiet time with Jesus. And I was like, why do you even quiet time with Jesus? I thought, if I bow my head and close my eyes right now, I'm going to bed. I'm just going to go sleep. I could stand here and just... I just, I, I remember. I wish someone had showed me, and, and they did, I, I learned. I wish someone had showed me how to invite Jesus into the, into the dishwashing, into the diaper changing, into the, into the I, didn't, I didn't have quiet time with Jesus for 45 minutes where I could sit there and open up my Bible and my cup of coffee and I just, oh, it's so holy. Some of you guys are posting pictures, you know, of all your holy quiet time with Jesus. I just want you to know, all these parents with babies hate you, okay? <laughs> I wish somebody had showed me how to invite Jesus in those moments. Because it's real world. That's that's real world. Where 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 does he join me? Wherever you'll invite him. Wherever you'll invite. How do you do that, man? I didn't I didn't have I didn't have the prayers. I didn't really know a ton of the prayers to pray. But God already the prayers. There's a lot of prayers that are already in the scriptures. Man, if you don't have any words, man, let me just encourage you. There's there's prayers in the Psalms are great prayers. You could, a lot of you guys know Psalm 23, or maybe you've read it. You could write that down. If you don't know what, what psalm that is, write it down and be like, I don't always know what words to pray, and I'm busy all the time, so I'm just going gonna to pray this. And so you look up Psalm 23, and it just says, The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. And you just stop. You go, Thank you, God. You're my shepherd. I don't need a thing. And you're cramming dishes into the dishwasher. You're just, <laughs> you just or, 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 or Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I, I don't have to be afraid. I don't be afraid. You, you, and, and if you don't know them, you just read them. You just, you just read them. And then if you read them enough, it'll get in your blood and in your brain, and then you won't have to read them. You'll just say them. You'll just recite them. You'll memorize them. And then there's your prayer. I wish somebody had showed me how to join Jesus, how to invite him to join me in the middle of all the craziness. Because the truth is, is that there are, there are lots of seasons it doesn't matter if you just have kids. Maybe you don't have any kids at all, and you're just going, I don't, I, I'm still, I'm just, invite Jesus into whatever that moment is. So where, where is Jesus? What are those God moves? He invites us, but he also wants to be invited. Invite God into that season. The last one is this. Where's, where's God? What is he doing? The third God move is he blesses. He joins, he invites, he blesses. Verse 30 says, it, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Here's a God that longs to bless. And then as soon as he does and shares the bread, the broken bread. Now, now think about it. Three days earlier, he had just talked about his body that would have to be broken. He's the bread of heaven. This is Jesus, the bread of heaven. And then here he is breaking the bread and then giving it to them. And as soon as he gives it and they take it, all of a sudden they can see. They see who he is. It's, it's, it's bread they're eating, but it's also their vision of Jesus, who he is. And as soon as they take him in, as soon as they take him in, they see who it is. Here's a God that longs to bless. It, it's, it's, it's interesting that he, that he blesses and then their eyes are opened. He blesses, and then their eyes are open. The, the Apostle Paul talks about people that don't know the Lord, those that don't know who the Lord is, that haven't received him, that don't know. He says that they are blind, that they're spiritually blind, that they have a, a veil over their eyes and they can't see. 2 Corinthians 4, he says it like this. He says, Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message. They don't, they don't understand about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't, they can't see. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean if you're a follower of Jesus? What, what, what does that mean? How, how do you, let me ask you this, how do you treat someone that is blind? How do you treat someone that, is, uh, that has a handicap? Imagine somebody with a, with a white cane comes in, and they're, and they're walking in, and then they, and they bump into you. What do you do? How do you respond? What if they didn't even know? How do, you, how, do you, how do you treat them? Do you just turn around and you yell at them? You start yelling? 
Do you, do you berate them? Or you, do you get sarcastic with them? How do you treat them? Here's the answer. With love. Treat them with compassion. They don't know. So how is it that Jesus longs for those that are followers of Jesus? How is it that he wants us to treat those who do not know the Lord? With love. With compassion. Some of Jesus' final words, some of his final words is this. Now, now he's, he's suffering horrendously. Physical torture, spiritual anguish, mental, emotional, every, every form of persecution. He's, 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 in the, he's in the middle of it. And some of his final words are, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Why? Because they, they can't see. They're blind. They don't see the truth. Now, later on, a lot of them, a lot of them are healed from their spiritual blindness. In fact, that is what it... That's what occurs when you follow Jesus. The veil is removed and all of a sudden you see clearly. This is what Jesus is doing. He's walking down the road to Emmaus with these two disciples and he goes through and he says, don't you realize? And he walks them through from Moses, from the very beginning, Moses, the law and the prophets, all the way through thousands of years that actually all were talking about who? They were all pointing toward Jesus, the fulfillment in him. And then finally, then finally when they receive the the veil is torn off, and they see, and they go, oh, it's Jesus. He, he blessed them first. And so how is it that people who can't see the truth of Jesus, how is it that they see? Is it when you yell and berate them and are sarcastic with them? Is it when culture turns around and says, no, man, you, no, man we're supposed to, you're supposed to act this way, and so canceled, canceled. How, how is it that people experience Jesus? Through blessing, when we bless, when we love, when we, when we reveal compassion. It's, it's, a, it's a heart check. It's a gut check. Truth is, is that the Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus prayed that about you and me first. <laughs> if you follow him, he's talking about you. Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He blessed and then their eyes were opened. What happens when you bless? People's eyes are open. Oftentimes, people's eyes are open. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the city on a hill. You're the light of the world. Don't hide. Let your good deeds be seen. Why? So they can, so they can turn and then glorify the, your Father in heaven. Let them see it. Bless them. Bless. What is God's posture? What are the moves of God when we're walking away? He turns and he joins. He joins. He invites he blesses. Let me pray for you this morning, if you would, if you close your eyes. I'm talking about this couple that are walking away from, they're walking away, they're walking away from Jerusalem, but the truth is, is it's, it's, it, Luke puts it in here so that we can see what kind of God that, um, that he is. He joins those that are walking away, and so um, if you're here this morning, you just, if you're honest, you go, man, Joel, I, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm, I am disillusioned with faith. Disillusion with faith. And if I, had to, if I had to say, if I had to put words on it, I'd say, man, I think I may be leaning away, maybe even walking away. Maybe I'm headed to Emmaus. Maybe that's where I'm headed. And, and, and if, I'm, if I'm honest this morning, I kind of feel a little disillusioned. And so if it's true that what you said, that, that God joins me and he's invited me, then, then, then I'm, then I'm going to invite him on this journey too. I'm going to invite him in this season of disillusionment. And maybe that's your prayer. You say, Joel, will you pray for me? I, I, I think I'm leaning out, but I want to lean back in. Joel, will you pray for me? If that's you, if you're honest, everybody's eyes are closed, just me. Would you just raise your hand real, real high, and then you put it back down. I want to pray for you. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Just a, It's a confession to, to God this morning. Anybody else? Yeah. That's who he is. He joins. He joins. Maybe you're in here this morning and you go, man, I'm, I've, if, if the closest people in my life had left me at my worst moment, let me tell you something, I'm not blessing them. I'm not blessing them. And the truth is, is 
I can, I can hear the voice of the Lord this morning telling me that I'm to turn around and I'm to bless. The people, there's people in my life, there's people that I know, and man, they just don't know the truth. And so that needs to become my prayer. God, forgive them while you forgive me because they don't know what they're doing. If that's you this morning, you're just like, Joel, I need, I've, I've, got to be, I've got to bless more. I've got to begin to bless more. Those people that are in my life, they don't know. I've got to begin to bless more. If that's you, it's a, it's a prayer and a confession. Nobody's looking around. If you just raise your hand real high and then you put it back down. Yeah, I've got to bless more. Yep, 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 yes, yes. Yeah, so many of us. Yes, i got to bless. Father, this morning, God, what a gift your word is to us. What a gift your word is to us today. God, what a gift your Holy Spirit is. God, that you would move in this room and you would move in our hearts. You would move in this place. God, I thank you for those that confess this morning, I've got to bless more. I've got to turn around and bless. God, I pray that that would be our church. God, that we would turn around and we would bless. God, that no one sits alone. Nobody eats alone. Nobody doubts alone. God, that we come alongside. God, I pray for those this morning that feel disillusioned in this moment. Lord, I pray that you continue to, God, come alongside them. God, not only do you do you work on silencing those doubts? But when the others come in too, God, you bring your presence. God, there's nothing like your presence. There's nothing like your presence. So we thank you for it this morning. Lord, fill this room and these people with your Holy Spirit, with your wisdom, God, with your courage. We thank you for it. Thank you for your word today. Amen. Amen. That was awesome. What a good word. Um, thank you for being with us this morning at Four Corners Church. If it's your first time here, I want to say welcome. Thank you for being with us. Uh, there are worship guides on each of the chairs. So if you want to take a moment uh, to fill out a connection card, you can drop it off in the drop box right before you exit the auditorium. I promise we are not going to show up at your house. We just want the chance to say thank you for being with us and personally do that uh, by writing you a card. There's also ways that you can connect with us if you regularly uh, Regularly attend Four Corners Church. If you are interested in baptism or serving small groups, any of that stuff, uh, please let us know by filling one of these out and dropping it off in the drop box in the back. Uh, I did want to make mention, we love family ministry. I believe in uh, kids and in our students. I believe in what God is doing, and it looks a little different than when we were back in high school uh, and in elementary school, but God is still moving. And so I wanted to let you know, those of you who are parents, grandparents, or know somebody uh, who's within elementary, middle, and high school age, uh, we have two different uh, retreats uh, going on this summer. We've got a kids back to school retreat. This is for elementary ages 7 through 12, uh, 12 years old. And then we've got uh, Beach Freak, which is for our 6th through 12th graders. And um, Beach Freak is going to be in June. The back-to-school retreat is going to be in July. And I encourage you in this. Um, I encourage you to consider investing in your child's spiritual uh, growth because we invest in a lot. We'll put a lot of money towards getting them really good at a sport and getting them really good at some trade. And sometimes we forget to really invest in them spiritually. And they need Jesus every day of their life. And so I, I remember um, when he was talking about this Jesus joining you, uh, I distinctly remember being at Beach Freak, my 20 12th grade year and going through a lot, kind of questioning a whole lot of stuff. And I remember I could tell you where I was standing when I felt Jesus joined me. It's not like this big hoorah moment. It was a moment I felt God's presence and I will never forget it. And um, so I encourage you in this. If you've got a student, you've got a, a, you know, a young kid or an older kid, and you want them to have the moment to get away from their regular routines and get a, get get to be with other people their age and be invested in by spiritual leaders who are going to speak into their life and help encourage their faith, uh, this is for you. So there is information at the information table out in the main foyer. Grab one of those papers and just look it over. We'll have Beach Freak meeting. We'll have a kids retreat meeting. In fact, I believe elementary, uh, they're all going home with papers about it. But I want to I throw that out there. And um, if you've got a kid maybe in your neighborhood, 
neighborhood, this doesn't have to be just Four Corners kids. It can be any kid. So if you've got a kid in your neighborhood that needs, uh, mommy needs a couple of days away from their child. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but for real. Uh, you can send them our direction, and it'd be great. Uh, I, I Really and truly, I, I do believe God does some really cool big things when we get away from our regular routines and allow God to speak in our life. It can change your whole life, uh, truly. And um, I want your child's life changed. And I mean that. Uh, I, I want your life uh, and your child's life changed. Okay. Uh, lastly, I want to say thank you to those who so faithfully and generously give to our local church. Uh, we have a table, all the table values out on the wall in the main foyer. One of them is that generosity is our privilege. It is a privilege to walk with Jesus and to look like him by being generous with our time and our talent and our treasure. And so I want to thank those of you who so faithfully give. You're investing in the vision of our church being able to function in and outside of these four walls. So if you want to to give to Four Corners Church, you can do that either online. Uh, you can do it by texting the number on the screen or by giving. You can drop it off in the drop box in the back as well. Great. Hey, will you guys join me? Will you all stand up? Uh, I want to I say a prayer for you. Uh, on your way out, the prayer team, if you guys would come forward. Uh, I want to pray for you and then... Uh, then I'm going to dismiss you. But if you have a, a specific prayer that you want prayer for, uh, there's a team up here that would love to agree with you in prayer. Our church is a praying church, and uh, there's something unique, uh, uniquely powerful about agreeing with someone else in prayer. So if you have a, a specific request, a specific prayer this morning you want prayer for, uh, uh, you can, I want to invite you up afterwards and uh, find somebody up here to pray with you. They'd love to do that. Hey, would you hold your hands out like this? I want to say a prayer for you. Uh, now, may the God who joins you every day of the week, wherever you go, may he join you in peace that passes all understanding. May he join you with a joy that overflows. May you experience his Holy Spirit power this week, and may it overflow out of your life into those that are around you. May you today walk in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We'll see you all this next.